So the big question is this. How do the best recruiters and recruitment business owners ride the highs and lows of recruitment whilst ensuring they remain at the top? How do they stay consistent? How do they manage their time? How do they cultivate the correct mindset? And what are the best recruiters and recruitment businesses doing differently? These are the questions that all recruiters want to know the answers to. This is the podcast where I have real and honest conversations with some of the most talented recruitment professionals globally to uncover all their secrets. My name is Hisham Azuz. Welcome to the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. This podcast is sponsored and supported by my good friends at Hunted. Last year, Hunted helped over 300,000 recruiters all across the world. They're dedicated to improving not just the industry, but your place within it. If you want to be a better recruiter, have more resilience, see greater success in your recruitment career, or simply change jobs or country, then you need to check out hunted.com. I'd love you to check it out and let me know what you think. Welcome to the Recruitment Rollercoaster podcast. My name's Hisham Azuz. And today I'm joined by Mark Barnacote, who is one of the founders of a recruitment business called Oasis HR, who are HR specialists. Who would have guessed it? <laughs> <laughs> thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for joining me, Mark. And just to, just to set the scene, for those of you that can't see, we are in Farringdon. Um, how long have you been in this space, Mark? Uh, three years now. Three years? Yeah. So yeah, it's right by Farrington Station. It's a nice, cool, quirky, I'm going to use the word quirky. To the left of me, we've got, which is in the background of the video, we've got a chopper, which is what I asked you about. Yeah. And it's not, it's, not a, it's not a motorbike, it's a bike. It's like a natural push bike. Yeah, I think we might put an engine in it one day, but <laughs> sadly at the moment, no so, yeah, engine. So we are um, in the office. You shouldn't hear any back noise, but I'm looking forward to this, Mark. Me too. I, I think as you were just saying, you've, you've been in recruitment for... 20 years thanks for reminding me yeah, yeah. sorry i mean I, i've been alive 26 years yeah. <laughs> for 20 years you've been in the recruitment game yes so as i was saying mark before the phones are ring which obviously isn't a bad thing in the recruitment business that's what should be ha- happening long let them keep ringing <laughs> yeah. um yeah so worked in recruitment for 20 years um 15 of those been obviously running your own business yeah with your business partners just you and one business partner right correct yeah yeah so where I always like to start on the podcast is how, how did Mark end up in the recruitment industry? Yeah. Um, let's start there. Fine. So um, I, like a lot of people, I guess, fell into the world of recruitment. Mm. I um, did a law degree. I decided that law uh, wasn't quite for me. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it was the work experience in a property le- uh, law, law office that uh, really turned me off. <laughs> uh, so um, found my way. I put my CV on Monster. Someone phoned me up and said, do you fancy doing recruitment? And uh, went along for an interview at uh, a recruitment company who said they did recruitment to recruitment. So I'm now really confused because I just yeah, about get what, recru- story. get what recruitment is. They tell me they recruit recruiters and I'm thinking this is just really confusing. Um, anyway, some, they s- somehow saw something in me and gave me a job. Mm. Um, and for the first five years of my career, I uh, placed IT recruiters. Wow. Um, and just so IT recruiters? Just IT recruiters. Wow, okay. uh, so I was... Uh, what year was this? 
2000 to 2005. Okay. Um, and I spent uh, every day headhunting IT recruiters. Wow. So uh, I, there's some very funny stories of things that happened back in the good old days. Uh, and um, but yeah, that that was my sort of um, how, how I cut my teeth. So. Mm. Finding clients uh, wasn't really a problem. Yeah, if you had, doesn't tend to be the challenge. No, in that game, you've right. got to find great recruiters, right? And um, obviously, they get headhunted all the time. So mm. it was a bit of a baptism of fire for a fairly uh, fresh-faced graduate. Uh, but uh, I learned a lot, and I went to see some amazing, I worked with some amazing recruitment companies. Mm. Um, some of whom, you know, they grew from. There's one particular company I worked with. There were seven people when I started working with them, and they ended up um, selling uh, out when they were 150 people. So, oh, that, wow. so some some great businesses yeah. that you got an insight. So you into. really got exposed to the recruitment world. Massively. And this was in yeah. London. It, purely in London, wow. purely in the IT space, and uh, you know. Um, Dare I say the sort of good, bad, and the ugly in terms yeah. of um, practices and organisations? Yeah, yeah. Definitely, yeah. Mm. So, uh, so that's how that's how I fell into recruitment and um, uh, sort of mid mid two thousand and four. Um, I, I just thought um, that it might be time for a move. Okay, and thought about maybe moving into one of my clients as an IT recruiter or moving elsewhere. And I suppose born out of maybe some uh, vain thought that I could do a better job myself, decided uh, to look at setting up a, a business yeah. uh, with my business partner, Jeremy Thornton. And that's where Oasis came from, really. Uh, Why HR then? Uh, well, we didn't really start doing HR, if I'm perfectly honest. Fair enough. Um, you know, we started doing what we did before. Jeremy and I had worked together at the previous business. And um, I, I was going to say, is that how it, you met Jeremy? Then? Yeah. So you met Jeremy at the Rectorec? Absolutely. Uh, so we did Rectorec together. So, so that's how we started. We uh, took what, uh, what what little we knew about the recruitment industry <laughs> and, uh, and started placing recruiters. But, but we, we tended to move more towards the senior end. So we placed, um, you know, uh, directors, managers, um, worked quite a bit with the execs search companies as well so um so what was it called back what was it called then it was called oasis search oasis uh, search. search yeah okay. so we actually found the old logos the other day it was really a bit, a bit nostalgic yeah 15 years ago um so what was there a moment when you and jeremy just what was it a collaborative thing where you went or was it did you push it or did jeremy push it like what to leave to, to start your own business like um, where did, where did that i think it from? was a bit of a sort of we went out for a few beers and had a bit of a conversation expressed some frustrations about uh we, you know where we were and, and thought about uh, what what we might do and um, yeah we just at the time I wasn't wasn't married didn't have a mortgage. <laughs> yeah. uh, we, how old was you at this point? I was twenty four. Yeah. What's um, the worst that can happen? Right? Absolutely. And we started our recruiting business sponsored by Egg Credit Card at the time. Uh, <laughs> so so thank you awesome. thank you Egg Credit Card. I remember those yeah, adverts. Absolutely. Egg credit card. Yeah yeah. So um, yeah we. Um, so did you have a business plan? Um, we, do you know what? I did actually do a business plan. Did you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it probably wasn't. Did you have to it. do that to get the Ed credit card? Uh, no, no, <laughs> they didn't know about that. But I think if I told them I was starting a recruitment business, they might not give me a credit limit. But um, no, I did write a business plan, and, and our business plan initially was really just to carry on in the world of Rectorec sure. and um, probably do more project work. Uh, so there were a couple of clients that wanted to hire in volumes, and we'd done a team hire in our previous company. So. Uh, we did have a business plan. Um, I'm not quite sure how well thought through it was, but yeah. um, you know, uh, there's, there's, you know, you learn by your mistakes, I yeah. guess. How um, important is it to have a business plan at the beginning? Do you think? Obviously, I know you've been obviously been on this journey for a while now, and this is the beginning. But like for you, having conversations with people that are maybe thinking about starting their own business or early on, like how how important is it? Is it just imp yeah? How important is it to have a business plan at the beginning? I think it's more important to have a purpose rather mm. than a plan. I think, uh, you know, plans can change, mm. uh, but a purpose 
drives you. Sure. Um, and I think, um, you know, we, we've become more purposeful as we have um, navigated the waters Evolved, of recruitment yeah. over the last 15 years and, and moved obviously into the world of HR. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, a plan is, um, is fine, but you know, is it Mike purpose. Tyson that says everyone's got a plan to punch yeah, them in yeah, the yeah. face or whatever? Um, you, what, you what does purpose, purpose mean to you then? If I'm thinking, why, about why do you get out of bed and why do you do this? Mm. Uh, you know, the first um, twelve months, we we work from my spare bedroom. Really? Uh, you know, um, living and working in the same house can be quite challenging. Wow. And so you live together. No, no, no. I, I had a spare bedroom. Jeremy um, had his own place with uh, with his other half. So um, my, my spare bedroom got volunteered as cheap, <laughs> cheap offices uh, before we actually got our own uh, okay. our own offices. Um, and we, we were based out uh, out of London to, to start with. We were out in Hertfordshire, which was closer to home, uh, before we moved into London uh, about ten years ago now. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so I think a, a purpose is really about like, wh- why do you get out of bed in the morning? What's in it for you? You know, yeah. recruitment can be a really tough job. It's for sure. um, you know challenging in lots of different ways. So I think purpose is is, is really important. And is it fair? Do, do, would you agree that that also that purpose can evolve, right? Yeah, I think it can. But then again, I think that there's elements of that which remain exactly the same as when I did recruitment to recruitment. 18, 20 years ago, for me, you know, I built long-term relationships with my candidates, whether they wanted to move now or they didn't, I would keep mm. in touch with them. And that's really how, you know, I'd, I'd say I'm the worst business developer in the traditional sense of give me a phone, let me give you an amazing pitch and you'll come and work with me. But really? I'm great at building long-term relationships. And that's yeah. how, how I work with my candidates when I did Rec2Rec. And that's definitely how I work with, with my clients mm. now. So I think my, my, my purpose really is to just um, build those personal relationships and add yeah. value where I can. And, and so that hasn't changed. Yeah, just I like that. The dynamic from candidate sure, to client. Sure, sure. So let, let's do. That's such an interesting start, right? Obviously, business now, Oasis HR. So let's just frame it up, and it will help me understand as well, and the people listening. So early on, obviously, started with what you know best. Yep. Probably, I'm sure, came from also. I feel like we can do this better, and these types of things, right? Sure. Working out of your spare bedroom, yep. first twelve months. So when when did you make the the, the pivot and change to the HRP? So what was the yeah. timeline of the rep to rep business? Yeah, great question. I think like the first twelve months really are about survival. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, when you start your own recruitment business, there's of course bills to pay. Um, you've got to live. Whilst again, I didn't have a mortgage, the you know, rent to pay and all the yeah. rest of it. Um, so um, so the first twelve months are really about survival. So you do deals wherever you can, however you can, with whichever client you can work with. Yeah. So really, it's a bit sort of beggars and choosers. Yeah. You, you do what you can. Um, but I think as we uh, got beyond that point I, I think you know our fifth month we were really fortunate to have a, a really strong month we we I think build 50 55 grand between the two of us uh, in one month not you know, bad is it take phone, bill, take phone bill and rent out of it and I think it was a world cup that year so we put our feet up for a couple of months <laughs> didn't do very much and then thought actually we need to earn some more money so yeah. uh, you know but once you, once you sort of get beyond that and um, you know uh, think about what, what comes next um, we we started to work with some of the RPO businesses. So okay. some of our, um, our agency recruiters had navigated themselves into MSP RPO organizations. And because of the way that we'd worked, and obviously we were very sort of headhunt network led, they, they knew that we would be great at proactively going and finding talent. So we got calls from um, people at places like Alexander Mann, Resource Solutions, um, and a, a little company that at the time was called Profiles Resource Management that became Ochre House that then became Cielo. Um, and that was a good example of a company that, again, we worked with them when they were 12 or 13 people and helped them really staff up their MSP and RPO solutions. So, 
you know, I think for us, we felt um, that it was another string to our bow at that point. You know, if we were talking to an agency recruiter who said, do you know what? I, I love recruitment, but I don't want to work in an agency anymore with a sales target. What other options have I got? Um, working for a, an RPO business was was a sort of sensible choice. And yeah. so we, we, we did quite a bit of movement from agency to RPO and RPO to RPO. Uh, I think our first placement was at Cable and Wireless, which was an AMS um, uh, account at the time. So, um, and the salaries were a little bit higher. So the placement fees were, were yeah, a bit yeah. higher, which was nice. Um, and that I think set our thinking to, you know, do we want to work in the world of ret to ret forevermore? And, and the answer was probably not. You know, mm. it's all perm, very hard to get interim um, uh, work off of, off the back of it. Um, and actually, you know, we've always tried to do things a little bit differently. We we had this sort of fairly weird and wacky newsletter that we'd send out to our uh, network of recruiters. And um, one of those people had, um, unbeknownst to us, got a job as the um, director of talent acquisition at Transport for London. Oh, wow. And uh, she said, you know what? I love your I love your newsletters. You're just not the, you're not, you're not, not the typical, you're not the typical recruitment agency. You're a bit quirky, a bit different. Yeah. I love what you put on there. Definitely still quirky. Yeah, it's absolutely. Well, you know, it's good to be different. Um, <laughs> And um, so she said, look, I'm recruiting for my team here at Transport for London. I need to hire a head of exec recruitment and some other talent acquisition partners. Can you help? And we said, yeah, of course we can. Like mm. it was pretty much at the advent of LinkedIn, probably sort of 2006, 2007. But there wasn't an awful lot of people on there. But, you know, we basically worked in the rector rec space for six years. So networking and headhunting for candidates was second nature Naturally, for us. Yeah. So we we placed those people and, um, you know, thankfully found some, some good ones. And um, I remember the conversation. She said to us, look, you know, I love working with you guys. Thanks for finding those candidates. I need to get you through procurement and, and obviously get you paid. You need to go on our PSL. And uh, this was one of the first times we'd heard the phrase PSL. Really? You know, what does that mean? Um, and uh, so she said, yeah, we haven't got a PSL for placing uh, internal recruiters, but we've got a, P a PSL for HR wow uh, and uh, we said okay well you know if it means we get paid then fine but what yeah. does it mean and she said well you know it probably means you'll get some other vacancies from us which will be things like HR business partners or learning and development partners whatever it might be so we furiously googled what these phrases <laughs> meant and um, and yeah asked the question well what, what's the salary level and she said well they'll probably be you know x or y and they were higher than where we've the been typical, placing yeah. so you know the, 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 I think if I'm perfectly honest uh, HR found us rather than we found really interesting. HR so then, and then how long have you been in that game for now then? So how long have you been doing HR for? So I think we, we sort of pivoted in probably 2006, 2007 into the world of talent acquisition, internal recruitment. Um, and then that led into more broadly sort of HR, HR generalist hiring in 2008, 2009. Mm. Um, but what was really interesting is that um, we, we, it, it felt, it resonated with us. It felt the right market for us. Really? It was very relationship and network led but we also realized that we were fairly terrible at business development um, and uh, you know again in the rec to rec world you find a 300 400 grand a year biller um, you find up any director of an IT gonna, recruitment yeah, company yeah. they're going to listen right that wasn't the hard part that wasn't a hard part but but in um, you know corporate world it's a bit more balanced game, um, yeah. I remember we had the personnel um, managers yearbook which was a really weighty tome you'd use to keep a door open and um, you know we, we would call through all these HR directors and say hey you know we do HR our recruitment will you work with us and the few we got through to would put the phone down on us you know yeah. it, we, it, we weren't getting anywhere very quickly and 
Um, that, that was really where our um, HR Think Tank series network was born from. Um, and uh, so 2008, Jeremy and I were having a conversation about, you know, we've got a few relationships uh, within the world of HR, and that's great. We get some bits of business here and there, but how do we build upon that? And um, Jeremy came up with the concept of, um, you know, let's bring together our um, candidates and our clients and facilitate an event where they can learn and they can share best practice and thought leadership. Mm. And, um, you know, I remember thinking at the time, well, this sounds like a bit of a ridiculous idea. Why would, um, why would we want to facilitate events for internal recruitment and talent acquisition professionals? Are we, in essence, trying to help them get better at what they do and need us less? Yeah. Um, but uh, also, I really like the, the sense of pay it forward. Uh, and, uh, and that really has been one of the fundamentals of our business. And I think if I could go back to the business plan question uh, in 2004, 2005, I would have put that as one of our pillars of success. Really? Uh, is how do you pay it forward? How do you help people with their challenges? How do you, um, you know, add value beyond just a bum on a seat? Um, mm. Because that's really paid handsomely for us. Um, and if you've never heard of the concept of pay it forward, there is a movie called Pay It Forward, um, and it's a it's a great watch. Um, so so that so so you've been completely dedicated to the HR space for the last decade, pretty much decade in a bit. Yeah, and just that came. Decade, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So before we dive into that, I yeah. definitely want to really dig into the the HR think tank piece. I think that's really interesting, and I love the fact you just said, yeah, that would be a staple of your business plan now if you were to go back, right? Yeah. So very quickly. On the RPO piece, yeah. all that. So I'd love to just get your sort of two pence on that very quickly because obviously okay. it's evolved a lot yeah. since then. The likes of businesses like Talentful and, and things like that, which you may or may not have seen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, I had a, um, a chap called James, um, who's a rhetoric, rural recruitment. And he said the biggest thing that recruiters now, uh, want is to go in the internal. That's like the most, like they're saying, James, have you got any internal recruitment roles? So I guess ju just very quickly on that one, what what was your, I don't know, what was your experience in helping people at agency to, inter um, not inter yeah, internal, RPO, these yeah. types of things? Just, just very quick on that, what, what yeah. should people be thinking about? <sighs> like, I mean, we, I, I, I could do an hour podcast just, <laughs> just on that. I, like, mean, just, I guess the, the sh to the point piece is like what, if I'm an agency recruit right now, I'm like, you know what, I'm sick of this agency stuff. Yeah. Want to go internal or whatever. What what should I be thinking about that typically people don't think about? Yeah, look, I mean, the first thing to say is that in-house recruitment isn't for everyone. Mm. And, um, you know, the first question is, is recruitment for you? Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that, um, you know, there's lots of people I've spoken to who think that internal recruitment is a, is an easy easy life. It, Failed recruiters. It really yeah. is not. You know, I can't stress that enough. Yeah. Um, you know, internal recruitment is a, is a hard job. You, you, you know, if you work in an agency and you've got a particularly challenging or difficult client you don't work with them you, mm. you say i'm really sorry I, you know i could choose yeah. here i don't want to work with you if you work as an internal recruiter and you've got let's face it a pain in the ass manager yeah. who is not very you know nice to work with you can't run away from them you've yeah. got to work with them and so um i think it's different pressure um you know mm. obviously agency sales target in-house recruitment um is um you know the, the challenge but 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 you do get to understand that organization in depth and, um, you know, the, the cell, if it's an organization that you can resonate and, and uh, you know, buy into yourself, then I think it's it's an interesting move. Um, uh, so, yeah, I just don't think it's for everyone. Um, but there's lots of people that do think, actually, do you know what? I enjoy the recruitment piece. I just don't enjoy the sales bit. Yeah. And go through, you know, some, sometimes go through an MSP or an RPA to get that foothold. What's an MSP, sir? A managed service provider. So okay. broadly, a managed service provider would be an organization that administers uh, or helps an organization administer their temporary or contract workforce. Okay. Uh, whereas a, an RPO is more sort of permanent focused. Okay. Um, the terms tend to be a little interchangeable, but... Um, 
but that can be a good stepping stone for you know an agency recruiter to think I want to go in house. Um, you know, I haven't got any in house experience. Yeah, chicken and egg. How do I get it? Yeah, yeah. An MSP, RPO organization like an AMS, yeah. a resource solutions, whoever, is a great way to get that exposure and that experience. Mm. Um, and I think the businesses you mentioned, like uh, Talentful and Elements and so on and so forth, you know, um, they, they've carved out a great little niche for organizations that don't need a full blown RPO solution. Um, mm. And again, you know, um, in fact, one of our alumni actually works at Talentful yeah. um, as an internal recruiter, and, and they've got some great opportunities for people that want to move more in that in that yeah. in that way you don't necessarily get the diversity of working with lots of different clients obviously the earning potential is, is going to be different yeah um but but the motivation typically from moving from agency to in-house isn't necessarily money it's about other things yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if it's about money then i would i would question why you are looking to make yeah. that move okay so last 10 11 years and so you started the hr think tank series yeah. 11 years ago you said yeah, 11 years ago. Yeah, and that did, came yeah. out of being ineffective in terms of business development and wasn't how much Pretty success. Much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So j- just quickly, like, because mm. that all came organically, the HR piece, right? Which I think is really interesting. Over the last decade then, how, how important has it become? Because I, I just feel like the conversations I'm having, how successful can you be in today's age if you're quite generalist? Not sure. Like how have you become more strategic? Obviously, because that's happened quite organically, I'm sure. Like how important now would it be to niche? Do you know what I mean? Again, if we were to start 10 years from now, yeah. go back 10 years, would, would yeah. Like how important <laughs> is it to niche down? Like yeah. Have you over the last I, I mean, for us, I think it's just, um, it's been really important because um, you've got to have an area of focus. Yeah. And, you know, even within HR, there's multiple different levels, multiple exactly. different disciplines, multiple different industries. Um, so, so HR's huge, you know. I mean, I haven't looked at LinkedIn recently, but there's easily... 150, 200,000 HR professionals in the UK. Um, it's a huge market. Um, so how did you focus then? Well, I think, you know, again, really talent acquisition was the area that we focused in on because that was, you know, related to Your the RPO world, the, yeah. the, the Rectorette rec world. Um, and that, that's really where we started running our events for that population. So and was it for like, so that can that be like across different industries then? Or was there a particular Yeah, and we, we encouraged uh, that diversity um, and we still do because I think that, um, you know, the challenges that um, a financial services organisation may face with regards to their talent acquisition, um, getting a bunch of financial services peers in the room doesn't necessarily answer the problem. That, you know, yeah, it's same sure. same thinking. So let's bring in lots of yeah. different. So the niche was talent acquisition in that instance. Different yeah, yeah. So so we started our think tank series with a with a brand called the Direct Resourcing Think Tank uh, in 2008. We thought we'd run maybe two or three events a year, um, and uh, I, I was skeptical. I'll be honest. You know, would would this work? And I think there's a there's a period where you know it's a lot of effort, a lot of um, work to get it off the ground. No one's heard of it. No one knows if it's any good. You don't really know what you're doing. Yeah. You don't know what the fo- what format works. Um, but little by little, it builds momentum. And if I look at today, you know, um, we run between 20 and 25 events each year. Really? Yeah. One of one year we ran 39 events, which was pr- pretty, pretty stressful. Um, and we've, we've run events uh, across the UK. We primarily run them now in London, but we've run events in Singapore as well. Um, and we primarily now aim our events towards um, sort of HR leadership. So that would be HR directors mm. or senior sort of heads of recruitment, heads of talent. Um, but, um, you know, we've all of our events are hosted by our members uh, and driven by our community. So they're self 
fulfilling. Now we don't have to. We've, the big problem we've got is we've got too many people want to come to our events. So it sounds arrogant, really? but it, and it's a nice problem to have. Uh, but you know, we we released an event yesterday at nine a.m. By ten thirty, it was full up um, and and overbooked. And so, um, how how much money has this made you? How how much of an impact has it had on mm. growing your recruitment business? It's really difficult to put a, a definitive answer on that. I'm asked that question quite a lot, actually. And I mean, one of the things we did do a few years ago is we uh, brought in some um, businesses that wanted to partner and sponsor the think sure. tanks. Um, so they are typically vendors that sell to the HR world. Yeah. So you've got the leverage of the attention. Who would want to be in the room full of talent acquisition? Exactly. People? So you know, maybe a psychometric testing company. It yeah, might yeah. be Whatever. You know, that it's a sales channel for them, and, and that helps sort of you know. I guess, wash the face of the think tank series in terms of time, energy, and effort. Um, but in terms of sort of, you know, from a recruitment business perspective, how many of our attendees are clients? Um, not as many as they should be, if I'm perfectly honest. And, and, and it's a good and a bad thing. I think we started the think tanks with a very firm intention that it wasn't an overt sales channel. Yeah. You know, we didn't want to get people in a room and say, thanks for coming, give us some jobs. Yeah, cool. Um, we wanted it to be genuine and authentically grounded in why we started it in the first place, which was to learn about our market, build meaningful relationships and, and see where that went. And some of those people would never be our clients. They might be our candidates. They might never be our candidates, but they may refer us to one of those things. Um, but I think um, what the Think Tank series does very nicely is give us a great reason to go and engage with people cool. and talk to them about their challenges. Um, you know, I, I host all of our think, or the majority of our Think Tank events. And over the last year, I've hosted events on gender pay, the potential ethnicity pay gap, uh, employer branding, referral schemes, um, career progression, all sorts of different stuff. So if I'm going out for a client meeting, I know a bit of knowledge about the sorts of challenges that client face. Um, and, and also, again, I think, you know, where do our clients come from? They come from multiple touch points. So it's not a, well, yeah, great, you've come to a think tank, you're now our biggest ever client. It doesn't really happen like that. It may be you've come to a think tank, we haven't spoken to you for a little bit, you've become a yeah. candidate, you didn't, we didn't place you, you've gone somewhere else. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's that sort of continued conversation. But if I look at the events, you know, there's three and a half thousand people that have physically been to one of our events over the last 11 years. It's, it's, it's a fairly big network and there's lots of um, goodwill. Uh, so from a talent pool perspective, from a recruitment business right. talent pool perspective, it's fantastic, you know, especially for senior appointments. Um, you know, if I put a message out to the network to say, hey, I've got a C CPO, chief people officer role I'm working on, my email literally melts with responses, uh, which is great. Not a bad position to me. No, obviously I need to go back to everyone, which is a, <laughs> is a challenge. But, uh, but yeah, it, from a talent pool perspective, that's probably the biggest value. Okay. Knowing what you know now then, because... I think, think the world that I'm in, I think um, events could be podcasts, right? Or pe that people can start an event series this year and it will still work, in my opinion. Yeah. And I've seen it work. So know what you know now, if I'm listening and I'm like, right, part of my business plan this year, my recruitment desk or my business is to start an event series. What would you do differently? Like, I just think it's like going to the gym. You start small and you just start doing a little bit. Um, you don't need to revolutionize or reinvent the wheel in one go. Start do, do a little event, get a few of your sort of contacts together and, and set a scene for a topic and see how it goes. I think, you know, um, the magic for us happens not by me facilitating, but the members coming together and talking about shared challenge so you know that physical face-to-face -face, uh piece in in our in my experience makes a big difference and our strap line for the think tanks is networking debate and therapy nice. and you know we always joke it's the therapy that people are after to know that you know i'm not alone the challenges that i face others face 
and no one's necessarily got the perfect answer. You know, there's lots of different ways to, uh, to try and crack this nut or solve the problem. Um, but I think my advice to anyone that's thinking about um, doing something from a network or events perspective is, is absolutely do it. You know, you don't have to spend a fortune. Uh, start small, see how it goes. Some people get events, some people don't. Um, and some people will contribute and others won't. Mm. You may need to set some ground rules. You may need to set the format. But, you know, they're all things that you can evolve over time as we did. Yeah, no, I think that's great advice. I think key part there is start. I think start small is a great, great point. Yeah. I think all I would add to that is um, it, it should become your business development strategy, like like you said, and that's not just sell to people, but you have a reason to call to call people. Yes. Like I would reach out to your network and go, look, I'm thinking about running this event. What do you think? Yeah. Put the fillers out there. Yeah. Um, and I think back to your point, when you spoke about the business, like have a natural purpose behind the event series. Yeah, definitely. And it can't be get people in the room and try and get as many business cards as possible. It's, right. it's people think, aren't going to want to go again. I think if you're a good recruiter, you know, the last thing you do is phone your clients and say, have you got any jobs? You phone your clients and say, what, you know, what's happening in your world? Where's yeah. you, where, what, what, what's keeping you awake at night? What are your challenges? Mm. And if you get a common challenge from the people you talk to, then that, that's, that's your, your event. You mm. know, now when we, we um, survey our members every six months and say, you know, what, what, what challenges are you facing? What is keeping you awake at night? And then we just put on events that they tell us they want to, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And then we, yeah. we go out to our members and say, do you want to host? And they say, yeah. yes. And we just connect the two. Yeah. So it's really not rocket science. So it seems like you've been on this real sort of natural, organic gut instinct journey from what you've shared so far, which is really interesting, right? Yes. The last 10, 11 years, Oasis HR, mm. Like, how have you actually done as a business? So what? just give me the actual details of, so right now, how many people do you have in the business? We've got 11. 11 people in the business. Yeah. How, what has that fluctuated? Yeah, so the I last think uh, 10, the, 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 the most we've ever had is probably about 22. 22. Um, so we, when we were out in Hertfordshire, it was very difficult to find experienced recruiters. So we primarily hired grads and uh, we had a great, grad uh, training scheme and we hired some fantastic people who if you look at our alumni now our alumni population you know they're at Microsoft or uh, Starling Bank lots of different places um, I'm very proud of those people that you, we, we've worked with and what they've gone on to achieve when we moved into London it opened up the opportunity for us to look at hiring experienced recruiters mm. and I think that you know perhaps when we first started in HR recruitment we worked on slightly more junior assignments um, I think as you your business evolves, of course the network you know they move up, they get promoted. We work on a lot more senior roles, so you know our average salary of role that we would work on would be anywhere from about probably sixty to one hundred k. I'm working on a chief people officer role right now, which is one hundred and sixty k. But it didn't start um, there. But it didn't start there. But I think you need a certain um, type of individual in your team to be able to go and hold their own and have the gravitas to work on senior appointments. And that's not to say that you know one of our um, best revenue fee income generators was a graduate that was with us for five years and we grew into that role so it can happen but it takes time and I think our biggest challenge has been finding the right people and uh, you know I think maybe through um, naivety um, you know when we were 22 people we weren't making any money my life was you know challenging because mm. there were lots of people issues so what, what period was the 20 when you was at 22 so that was probably year wise probably 2014 2015 mm. uh, and we just took a really drastic view which was like typically I think we this is kind of sorry to butt in mm. there but it's come up a lot you might have met him but the the recruitment uh, the recruitment network Matt Collingwood do you remember him he's yeah. Birmingham yes. recruitment so yeah, BQ yeah. recruitment and yeah it's a real big thing for him it was actually what the podcast was called it was like 
um, headcount is vanity and, and obviously yes. the, the bottom line is sanity, right? Yeah. Yeah. And obviously you can get, if, if and I've spoken about this a bit where, especially when you have your own business, right? It's so easy for someone to go, oh, Mark, how's business, mate? And the first question you get hit with after that is, oh, how many people have you got yes. now? Yeah. And that's the first question that you get hit with. And it's so easy to think, oh, the business will grow in, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's the first question you ask me. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah exactly. So <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like... So yeah, so yeah, so obviously there was a learning there then that actually that doesn't mean we're going to make more money. Look, I think it goes back down to, you know, where do you start your own recruitment business and you've got to enjoy it. Um, yeah. And if you're not, you know, if, you're, if your role turns into, oh yeah, crikey, I've got to look at a million, we're not a KPI business, but you, you know, if you get to a point where the magic of how I do recruitment or how Jeremy does recruitment is um, is dissipated by the fact you've got more numbers. So you have to yeah, be a bit more paint. You have to have a process. You have, you have to have to. a process. You have to be a bit more paint by numbers. And, and it, just, it just wasn't enjoyable. So I think, you know, as a recruitment business, you know, let's face it, it's a tough market. There's lots of competition out there and not just in the HR space, but generally. Um, I was chatting to a client the other day and they said, well, why should I choose you over the other two HR recruitment agencies I'm talking to. And I said, look, it's totally your call. It comes down to how well you think I get you. But really, I could put the same five CVs or four CVs on the desk as they could. But, you know, there's certain things you might think about why you choose us. Um, but I think, um, yeah, it's exactly that. You know, headcount is, is, is a question you get asked all the time. There is a vanity element to it. Um, I think you've got to, you know, be profitable. You've got to have the right people in your business. And for me, I think we get lots and lots of repeat business. Um, that's one of the key ways that, uh, you know, we, we are successful. And if you've got people in your team that aren't working in the right way and aren't delivering, um, then unfortunately, you're not going to get as much repeat business. Your customers are going to go elsewhere if they're not getting uh, service okay. correctly. So if I'm a, if I'm a, so I worked in a business of 10, 11 heads, right, sat directly next to someone like you, the owner of the business. Yeah. If I want to get to 20 plus heads, what do you wish you knew before you started on that journey? What, what, was, what are the key learnings there that you yeah. learned through the, the hard way? I think the first thing is just to say, is that what you want? Mm. Um, you know, because... Why do you want to grow? Yeah. And, um, you know, you can be a really profitable recruitment business without being... 50, 60, 80 people. Yeah. Um, so the first question is like, do, do you yeah, be careful what you wish for? Do you want it? Do you want that? And then I think if you, if you do, I think it, the hardest part in, from you know, my experience and or talking to others is to go from 20 plus, you know, to get to 20 and then go to 30. If you get past 30 and you've got some scale of economy and you've got people doing, you know, specific roles um, across the business, I think it becomes easier. Why and is that so challenging? I hear that so often. Why do you think that's challenging? Cash. Cash. Yeah, I think it's cash. I think it's cash, and I think it's um, availability of talent. Um, you know, ultimately, why would someone? There's there's various things that we do as an organisation to try and make us a destination of choice for for experienced recruiters. Um, but um, you know, there's obviously a ramp up period for a new recruiter to come into a business uh, and get up and running. We don't expect them to build on day one. Yeah. Be nice, but then it's not going to happen. So, you know, really, if you've got um, you know a big wedge of investment behind you, you can go out and you can you know, throw money at the problem to get from 15 to 25, 30. And then, then hopefully if you've hired correctly and your people are doing what you need them to do, then, then you've got that, um, you know, if one consultant has a bad month, you've got mm. five that are having a great month or mm. whatever it might be. Uh, but if you're smaller, you can be more fragile to, 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 to peaks and troughs, especially if you're perm heavy, we're probably 80, 20 perm contract mm. in our business. So, um, so yeah, I think to answer your question, I think it would be, is it, is it what you want? There's mm. nothing wrong with being, uh, you know, don't, don't, don't get into the vanity trap of, 
you know, you go to a networking event of yeah. recruitment agency owners and you go, oh, how many? Oh, you've only got 11 people. Yeah, you've only got 11. Well, yeah, <laughs> but I sleep well at night. I've got a great work life balance. So I, you know, I earn yeah. quite well. And, uh, Back to purpose, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Okay. And then how have you done? So give me just some context and for people listening. So your relationship with Jeremy, yep. what, what's, I'm sure it's changed, but let's focus on the sort of HR journey. Yep. What's been your role? So I'm assuming, have you always built? Um, my role's changed. I can imagine. All that, you know, considerably over the years. But have um, you always had to be on the tools and or? In one way, shape or another. I mean, there, are, there have been periods where I've been hands off and just managing. Um, I think I've always probably had an element of kind of client business development yeah. um, through, through. Well, my you weren't that good at that, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Just through people I know, really. Of course, and, I can and do you know what I am? I think I, I just don't think I'm that that good at sort of business development in a, in a sort of traditional sense. Traditional but sense, yeah. really, all it is is keeping in touch with people, yeah, asking yeah, them yeah. how they are, getting the relationships, pieces. listening to them, building empathy, yeah, finding yeah, out yeah. what challenges they've got, trying to solve said challenges. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's not that hard. Um, but so 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 I haven't been. So there have been periods of time where I've not had a revenue target. You know, that I would have self given myself or whatever. But. Um, yeah, I think... Because um, how's your relationship with Jeremy changed? Like, how, what's that been, like, in terms of what you both do in the business? Have you, how, how, what's that journey been like? Yeah, I think, you know, as um, you, when you start a recruitment business, um, you're probably very naive about what, what, what challenges lay ahead. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy and I are quite different people, um, which in one regard is great because um, we've got a diverse yeah. range of thinking. And so I may have one radical thought and he might have the opposite, but together we come to generally what mm. is probably the, the right way. How uh, do you become better at that? I hear that all the time as well. Like typically if you have two business partners or you're Start, you're thinking of starting a business with someone how can you become better at knowing each other's strengths um i think you learn it over time i think you if you can recognize that one's a foil for the other um then that, that's a good starting place but it's also just being honest and having not not being afraid to have an authentic conversation yeah and and or asking an authentic question you know yeah, what, yeah. what do you think about um how i could be a better leader um yeah. or you know in a um in a team management situation what would you do about this uh, so i think it's about yeah openness challenging um and um not not being afraid to, to to call it out if you're not happy about something um mm. but i think you know for jeremy and i our roles have changed over the years jeremy started the think tank series ran it for probably eight years and i uh, said you know what i've kind of a bit think tanked out i've done so many <laughs> events that you know do you want to take them over so i so i took over the think tank events about 18 months ago changed the format slightly did some different stuff um jeremy had um oh, has got a side project business which is called resourcing insight which is a sort of data and analytics offering that we offer up to our recruitment customers um so there's been different things that we've done mm. um we've got a, a great team manager rob who um who who now manages the team and i've gone back to basically being a, an exec search kind of recruitment consultant really uh, which do you know what i'm loving really enjoying it really um and um yeah so it, it's it's sort of gone full circle i think yeah yeah that's mm. really interesting so how so how how's just talk to me a bit about so leading up to you getting to sort of 20 or so heads right yeah i'm assuming that obviously the business was doing quite well then in terms of like revenue and these types of things like for you to then get to 20 yeah. and then i'm assuming then the learning came from well actually we're not making as much money like what yeah just, let's just for people listening because it seem it does seem such like a 
natural, I don't know, it's really interesting, right? Because it just seems like you've been really willing to have the humility of going, well, actually, we could probably do a bit more of this or, you know, actually, I'll do more of this now. Or, do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, it's really interesting. So I think it's a bit sort of, um, it's cobbler's shoes analogy. You know, we spend all day, every day recruiting for our clients. How well did we recruit for ourselves? Uh, and, uh, <laughs> you know, actually, how well did we actually know what we wanted to recruit for? I think the big challenge for us was we knew what a great graduate looked like when we were out in Hertfordshire. When we moved into London, again, the irony, I spent five years doing rec to rec. I should know what a good recruitment consultant yeah. looks like but it was a good recruitment consultant for us and I think as a business we were always evolving in terms of um, you know moving more into the HR space understanding what that meant most of the work we now do is exclusive and retained um, we I can't remember the last time we took on a multi-agency job so, so the type of recruiter you're looking for I think uh, changes and I think the mistake we made when we moved into London is we thought oh we've been outside of London for whatever it was six seven years we've never been able to hire an experienced recruiter all of a sudden we've got lots of different options and we hired someone from construction recruitment we hired someone from pharmaceutical recruitment we hired someone um, from finance recruitment and um, actually I think you know what made us great from a um, repeat customer and relationship building perspective some of those recruiters it was totally alien to them you know the construction recruiter you know great individual but um, it was really telesales recruitment that, yeah. that she'd come from and um found it very hard to adjust to an environment where um, you know we, we, we aren't hugely KPI'd we, we give people a lot of autonomy and freedom to uh, work their market and we I guess assumed too much that that person knew how to build long-standing meaningful relationships and, and so really it's our fault not not theirs you know we should have known a bit better about who was right to hire um, and then it comes down to the availability of those people you know you're looking for somebody who who, who gets relationship building but has a proactive sales mindset mm. as well and, it, and it's quite difficult to find those people so how, how have you how, how have you become better at hiring then uh, use hunted uh, <laughs> uh, so um, but what what have you put, implemented processes like what from your learnings through this like yeah. like how because that again that comes up a lot right yes how how have you how have you got better yeah or what are the sort of non-negotiables now when you're hiring for your business? Yeah, I think we've had various iterations. We've used psychometric testing, yeah. all that kind of good stuff. I, th I think the, re the, the reality is it's just about asking better questions. And so now we'll ask questions around, you know, give us your top 10 clients um, and uh, list out, you know, specifically who is your relationship with mm. and how long have you known them? Tell yeah. us a bit about that person. Um, you know, if I phone them and ask them for a reference, what would they say? Can I phone them and ask them for a reference? And really what we're looking for is just that individual who's capable of kind of getting off their backside and going out and building those relationships, having a coffee with their clients. And mm. um, so I think, I think it's the competency questions that we ask candidates and our sort of, you know, radar is on a bit more about what, what sort of behaviors we're looking for. I think again, you know, we've got a fully flexible working environment here. So we have no core hours. Um, you have no core hours. No core hours so the the, the the only caveat is we have a monday sales meeting uh or team meeting nine till nine thirty. so ideally we'd like people to be there um, how long has it been like that for two and a half probably nearly three years three uh, years yeah and uh yeah big learnings with that and one of the learnings from a hiring perspective is that certain people can't work in a fully oh, flexible yeah. working environment so there were some people that were here before we did that that didn't stay after and yeah. Um, so I think again, when we're looking at hiring, we're we're, we're understanding, you know, what's the self motivation when, especially when the chips are down, um, can you, you know, self regulate yourself to to do do the activities that we know and you know equal success. Why did you implement that? Um, a few different reasons. One was selfishly uh, because um, I wanted to do it. 
Um, and um, so... Why did you want to do it? Um, part sort of personal circumstances. Um, so I mentioned to you before we started the interview, I've been going through a, a, a divorce and so I've got childcare commitments, which mean that I can't be in London five days a week. Sure. So I work from home on a Monday and a Friday. Um, so I, so that's why I said about the sales meeting. I, go, I come to every other Monday meeting. Um, uh, but uh, So I'm in London Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, silly things like, why do I want to go to the gym at one o'clock when it's totally rammed, when I could go at 11 o'clock and it's nice and quiet? So I get in earlier. I mean, again, there's, we're not an hour's culture. No one's checking that I'm in at such and such a time or staying to such and such a time. But there's a sales board with a number on it. And if it's not where it should be, then... That's what that's what we're focused on. It's all about output, right? So, um, so yeah, I think the reasons we looked at it was one because selfishly circumstances, yeah. circumstances, and part of why you start a business, right? You yeah, want to be able to definitely. make decisions like that. And I think the second reason was that you know we we are in, we're employing a uh, you know diverse workforce of individuals, um, and they have differing needs. You know, they may have young children, they may have interests outside of work. Um, you know, we want people to have a work life balance. Um, how did you roll that? So, how many people did you have working for you when you did started? Um, it's probably about the same number as we had now, to be fair. Okay. Um, how did you roll that out? I'm, I'm sure it was. A, I'm sure it wasn't like a hi guys. Uh, we, just to let you know, yeah, we, we did, to be honest, we, we ran a series of workshops just asking the team what they what they thought about What's important flexible working. Okay, it, flexible working. Yeah, what did it mean to them? You know, was it important? Why? What did they what What did they want from it? What were yeah. the potential pitfalls? And just had a really honest dialogue about. Look, you know, from a business owner perspective there's the commercial side of things you know we can't um you know there's we've got to we've got to be a commercial success we've got to yeah. make revenue make money make profit um but equally we want to talk about this as a group to come together and formulate a plan and, and that's, that's really one of the great things of being a small business right yeah you can do those things um and i mean i've hosted think tanks on how do you um how do you um, bring flexible working into your workplace i hosted one at uh Lloyd, uh not rbs um you know rbs huge business how on earth do they try and tackle that problem yeah. you know ask 11 people much easier um and, th and then we've just done regular reviews of it really and looked at uh, let, how's it, let's how talk it working. a bit about that i think there'll be a lot of people listening mm. that definitely want to be able to facilitate some sort of flexible work into their employees and their, their staff what like how yeah what was the process of obviously you mentioned there before you rolled it out there's an element of workshops open dialogue look mark we are thinking about this what does it mean to you what's important to you all these things so gather all that information then what, what was how did you start implementing this then like how did it actually go yeah Let's i think i that. watched a really interesting video actually by uh, dan pink and it was about what motivates individuals yeah. and uh it was about actually money um is a hygiene factor but to a certain point it can start to demotivate you know if you're mm. purely driving by money do people start to do the wrong behaviors do, you know the enron scandal do people try and sort yeah. of fudge numbers or shortcuts yeah. to try and get to, to, to get to the pound sign and actually there's other reasons why people do their best work and one of those is uh, autonomy um and so i think you know if you if you're thinking about flexible working in your business um, just talking to your employees about it, not being scared to do so, and just having a really honest, genuine conversation to say, look, you know, we hired you for a reason. We trust you to do a great job. We train and develop you, uh, and we hope you take that on board and, and, and work in the right way. We want to make your, um, you know, uh, time at work as enjoyable as possible. And time at work could be at home working, it could be on the train working, it could be wherever working. It's about output for us. These are the expectations. So when you say output, what are, some of the what are the things you measure? So... It, billings billings is is, is, that is, is the ultimate that's the yeah. only metric we, we know that you know our recipe is really simple uh the more people we meet the more jobs we get on 
the more CVs we send to, you know, qualified CVs to those jobs, the more placements we get within reason, you know. So we probably, yeah, on average, we'd send four or five CVs to a, to a role. So we're not talking hundreds, but, you know, that, that, that's the recipe. One leads to two, leads to three, leads to four. So when we're talking to new consultants who are coming into our business about flexible working, um, we're saying, look, the ultimate measure is pound signs, you know, pound sign. But to get there, the first step is, meetings and we can help you with that we can try and help you understand who you should meet what you should say to them and how you build those long-term relationships with people that will be your customers um but yeah i think to go back to your question i think if a business is looking at embracing flexible working don't be afraid to have a conversation don't be afraid to bring people together i think you would get some um really genuine and heartfelt um thoughts and feedback from your workforce as to wow you know you you genuinely do care about me and Actually, yeah, you know, I've got to pick my son or daughter up from school at 3.15 yeah. on a Thursday. Start of a conversation. Yeah, that would be amazing for me. How's you, it, you get, it comes back tenfold, I think. If people, if you, if, you, if, you, if you give that freedom and flexibility with some parameters about the expectations, the output, I think it comes back tenfold. How has it impacted your culture? Um, that's a good question. I think the, the upside is that, um, you know, we're not a clock watching culture. When I very first got into recruitment, my boss was ex Huxley's, uh, so <laughs> S3 mentality. You know, if I wasn't in the office at eight and I didn't stay till late in the evening, you know, I was slacking off. Um, so there's not, there's nothing, nothing like that. And that, that was actually challenging to get used to at the start because you find yourself, even though, you know, we led on the policy and we wanted to embrace it, you find yourself going, why are they leaving at four in the afternoon? Yeah, yeah, but then yeah. you think, no, 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 it's not, it's not about that. It's, <laughs> it's just about, wired. Yeah it's, yeah, it's about output. Um, but I think the, the, the other side of it is just about um, constant communication. So, you know, um, there will be days in the week where the office isn't that busy. You know, uh, today's an example. It's a bit quieter. Um, and so how do we continue to make sure people are celebrating the small successes that happen every day? So, you know, thank, thank the Lord for WhatsApp. Um, yeah, I was going to say, how do you communicate? Though? Yeah, WhatsApp. Just is, use WhatsApp. WhatsApp's key, group WhatsApp. key, key one that we use. Yeah. Um, you know, meetings, client wins, whatever it might be. Um, we also do, so the Monday team meetings is, is a good one. And we and do. They have to do that in person, typically, like ideally. Ideally, yeah. That, that, that's pretty much what, what, what we look for. And we do a few things in there, which is, you know, getting people to talk about their week, their, what they've achieved. Um, but also we do, so, so for us, um, customer experience is, is really important. And there's lots of um, discussion constantly on LinkedIn about, you know, feedback to candidates and so on and so forth. Yeah. We brought in uh, NPS scoring for all of our candidates and clients about four years ago, um, which is automated through, we use Salesforce, it's automated through Salesforce. And, and we monitor what people, what our candidates and our clients are saying about us. Uh, and we, on a Monday morning, will celebrate those successes. So where awesome. a um, team member gets a, a 10 out of 10 or a, 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 a you know, positive review, um, a Google review, for example, we, we'll, we'll um, just dish out a, a 10 pound gift voucher, shopping voucher mm. as a little way of saying well done and, and recognizing yeah, yeah. the good behavior. And, you know, that in of itself helps build our um, footprint on Google. I think we've got 87 uh, Google reviews with an average of five. Mm. Um, so not counting. Yeah, there is there is one or two fours in there. Um, so um, so yeah, uh, I think it's it's those. So you've got to think about how do we bring people together. We do a monthly um, what we call living the values uh, team session. Uh, what does that like? So basically, we've we've got um, a set of values for our organisation, and uh, we do a, a kind of peer to peer um, vote every month. So you okay. you vote for who you think lived the values that month and why, mm. and uh, then we'll go out and we'll well we may have lunch here. We may go out and go bowling or 
go to a flight club or whatever it might be and just do something as a team to bring people together. Because again, if you've got a fully flexible working environment and people are working remotely, you want to have a little bit of that kind of community collaboration and yeah. reason for coming to work. I mean, I, I couldn't work from home five days a week. I couldn't. I'd drive myself I need to crazy. Be humans. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, you know, three days a week in London, two days from home works perfectly. How, how have you been able to trust people? Because that's definitely a worry for business owners, right? Particularly, I can imagine, for new employees. Yeah. So if you hire someone new tomorrow, they've got the experience, they've done it. How, how do you feel about trusting these people straight out the gate? That must be difficult. Yeah, but then again, I think, you know, if you can't trust them, why have you hired them in the first place? Definitely. Uh, and, and I also think trust is a two-way street. So, you know, it, it, it is given, but it's also earned. Um, mm. And, um, you know, there's, um, we, we do look at the underlying activities that happen in our organization. So I mentioned our sort of formula of meetings, yeah. leads to jobs, leads to CVs, leads to, to placements. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's pretty easy to, to, to measure in Salesforce. We look at that uh, weekly and we report that out to the team. So like, here's the trend, here's, what we're, here's, here's okay. how we're going. Um, and we're pretty obsessive about people using our system and making sure that, you know, we've got our technology linked up. So we've got cloud call phones that link to our, our, our our, our Salesforce environment. Um, you know, we've got LinkedIn recruiter syncs, and we've got we use Ebsto, which links to the two yeah. together. So you've got the tools in place that enables you to have a real yeah. uh, visual on what Absolutely. people are doing. Yeah, everyone gets a MacBook, so again, they've got the op they've got the tools to do their job wherever they are. Mm. I'm going down to Cornwall this weekend to see my parents, and I've got um, a four hour journey on the train. Well, do you know what? Brilliant! I could do four hours of work on the train with Wi-Fi, and I've yeah. got all the tools I need on my what? laptop. Okay, I'm listening. Right, what 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 tools have been the best investment for you then on on the sort of enabling flexible work? Like, if you're if I'm thinking right, and yeah, what tools should I be investing in as as a business? Um, we use um, uh, Google uh, for all of our. So we use Gmail. Yeah, we yeah. use Google G3, Docs. All the so do you use G Google Chat? No. Yeah. We, yeah, yeah we do, that. but but we tend to actually WhatsApp, WhatsApp tends to get okay. used more. Um, so G, on G Suite, what other tools are really important, yeah. or I should be thinking about investing in? I think some of the um, some of the obvious ones, if you're talking about sort of um, being able to deliver job boards, people say, oh, they've had their day. Actually, Total Jobs for us works really well. Okay, um, we've got LinkedIn recruiter seats; they work really well. Yeah. Um, I think the key thing is probably just the accuracy of data on your on your on your um, ATS, your recruitment system, whatever you use. Yeah. Um, we also, we've always invested quite heavily in um, marketing. Okay. And uh, we use Pardot um, as- Oh, wow, okay. So you're in the Salesforce ecosystem, like yeah. big time. Yeah, yeah. So if anyone, it, like from what I understand, that's like the HubSpot for, so that's like, so Pardot is the marketing yeah. tech on the back end of, with Salesforce basically. Yeah, so you asked me a question earlier on about Think Tank series and do we get value from it in terms of customer wins? One of the things we can do with Pardot is look at- Measure that, yeah. Obviously who's engaging with our content, who's opening our newsletters. So and Salesforce we, has been a great investment for you? Yeah, it's been, it's, <laughs> yeah, it has. Why do you hesitate well, in terms of actually using it? Is the like Yeah, I mean, we, we, we uh, bought a product called Job Science, uh, which is a um, variant of Salesforce. So it looks like Salesforce, okay. but you don't have uh, leads and opportunities as you would in a normal Salesforce environment. Great thing about it is it's hugely customizable. The bad thing is it's hugely customizable. So, mm. you know, you, you, you can, you can over-engineer the problem. Yeah. Um, and uh, you've always got to think about, you know, what, what do you actually want to get out of a system? What does it need to do for you? Yeah. 
but there's certain things, there's certain rules we've created which work really nicely. So I mentioned the NPS uh, uh, surveys that go out to candidates. Every yeah. candidate that's been submitted to a role, every client's ever given us a vacancy, they automatically get an NPS survey. Wow. We don't do anything, you know, about it. If they reply um, with a positive uh, response, they get asked to do a, you know, a, a, a testimony. So there's certain things you can do. You can set up in Salesforce rules that um, automate some of the process. So, so I think that's, yeah, that's really useful. probably worth so investing. So just a final on that, just to be clear, mm. maybe with the the uh, focus on flexible working. Yeah. Um, if I'm thinking of yeah, trying to implement that or roll that out to my business, I need tech pieces on that like just yeah just I don't know because you Um, mentioned a few tools there you went after you went Salesforce you went I I I don't know um, a flexible working piece Cloud Call you mentioned yeah so so we use um, Cloud Call Um, so Salesforce has um, like a soft phone built into it so um, you can click to dial through Salesforce and that would ring your mobile and then one you answer ring the candidate so from a kind of logistical perspective you know you're not having endless phone bills uh, submitted by consultants but but and it's easy for them to use and to track so so i'd say that that's probably worth and it's not that expensive in the grand mm. scheme of things so i say it's probably worth investing in the other good thing is that um you know if you're a business that's been around for a while it never ceases to amaze me how many uh candidates are on salesforce when we look at them on linkedin so ebster cross references uh, you know, when you're looking at a LinkedIn profile, is it actually on your, is it on your s- system? So you yeah. can be looking at, you know, Joe Blogs, and it'll ping up and say, you know, here's the here's Salesforce the instance. Yeah, Click yeah, on them. Yeah. You've got your mobile number, email, and all the history. So, I think you know, there's certain things that just make sense, right? Why would you, if you've invested energy and effort building a relationship with that candidate, and they're on your system, why wouldn't you want to know if they, if you're yeah, looking yeah, on LinkedIn, yeah. that you've got a relationship with them? And again, with Pardot, that's that's the other thing. You know, it's just thinking joined up in a joined up manner about. How yeah. you maximise? But I guess what you've ju- got. Ju- just ensuring that you have the tech that can give you the visualisation on the sort of activities and stuff that you need to be seeing if you're of, of sort of having a flexible yeah. is is important, right? Yeah, I think there's a balance. I think you know we again go back to my rec to rec days. Um, I remember working uh, one of my first ever placement was with Computer Futures, and um, uh, you know that they um, believe in um, you know KPIs and data to the nth degree. And look, hey, it's worked for them. They're really successful business you can't deny that um it's not really our style um to be you know draconian in the sense of you must hit this number yeah. in terms of dial dials or yeah, time yeah, of phone, yeah. whatever but there is there's a balance you can't you, you've got to understand what does that picture look like and do you need to invest in lots and lots of technology to, to, to be able to see that no that you know if you've got a a bullhorn or whatever yeah, it might it be you can you can bring that stuff out and you just as long as your team are using it reporting on it and if they're not then that's that's a different that's a different issue. So I think that I had a I had a conversation with a business owner recently who's got a really flexible working environment, and he said that there is a line there where he actually felt like it it actually it became a bit too relaxed because as you said it, yeah, there's got to be a bit of a balance, yeah, right? So yeah, there's a danger. And look, hey, yeah. I'd be lying if I said we, we haven't fallen into that trap ourselves. Um, and it's human nature, you know, mm. like you start off January, maybe with good intentions to go to the gym and it sort of dwindles a bit. <laughs> you know, I've, I've got a personal trainer who makes sure that I, you know, yeah. keep, keep, keep the motivation. Well, if you're a recruitment agency owner, who's your personal trainer mm. making sure in the right way that you're, you're keeping your team motivated. And yeah, it's a difficult balance. You don't want to fall into the trap of, you know, I'm just, um, telling you what to do all day, every day, you know, it's not a dictatorship, but equally there, there's got to be that, that 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 balance how for the last three years then how has that two things how how has how has that impacted the business like how have you done revenue wise has it have you seen yeah. an increase 
product. Yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah, I think, um, look, again, we, we've had good years and bad years. Uh, so I think um, last year was a challenging year for us for a couple of unrelated issues uh, to, to, you know, the recruitment market, albeit, you know, I suppose there was Brexit, but I think we're, 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 we're small enough that really we, we sort of carve our own destiny. But we had, um, you know, one of our team uh, went on maternity leave yeah. um, and, um, you know, great still keep in contact with her but she's now having a second child so doesn't come back to the business she's <laughs> a key revenue generator uh one of our team um got head hunted out to singapore yeah. um and loves traveling wasn't yeah. married no mortgage so why wouldn't you go um you know personally i've been through a bit of the ringer over the last uh, yeah. 18 months so i think you know that there's lots of factors that uh, equaled why last year probably wasn't the best year for us mm. um conversely i think this year has been really good and so our financial year actually runs september through to august oh, okay so we're whatever five months four months into september october November, yeah five yeah, months yeah, into yeah. to a new year so um it's so far looking really good um there's challenges, you know, IR35 and whatnot. Um, but again, we're, we are more heavily focused on perm anyway. So yeah. how, um, and then a final point on that, obviously I know you mentioned that a couple of people left just for whatever their reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how have you found offering the, the flexible piece? How has that impacted your employees in terms of their well-being, ha- happy with being happy with their career or more yeah. engaged in working, doing the recruitment? Yes. How have you found that? I think um, the, the irony is that uh, when we've caught up with those people that have left, they haven't actually recognized what a great thing they had until they didn't have it anymore. So, <laughs> so Frankie, who went out to Singapore, uh, you know, keeping contact with her regularly. Um, and uh, she was saying, oh, God, I can't believe it. You know, that we don't have flexible work. I've got to be in the office at 8.30 and stay till yeah. six. You know, it's, it's just a different way of working. So I think people probably think, oh, that's great when they come to interview and they enjoy the benefits of that, um, but maybe take it a little bit for granted yeah. until they go somewhere else and think, oh, God, you know, I've mm. got to get, there was one guy uh, who worked for us who, um, it was a bit of a um, night owl. So he would come in at sort of half 10 uh, and <laughs> work till half seven, eight. And that was fine. What? Yeah, Whatever he wants to do. But he went to another job uh, with, a, do that. with a business we've, uh, we've already mentioned and he needs to be in the office sort of normal hours. So I think he really struggles with that. Um, so yeah, does that sort of answer your question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because no, yeah. Yeah, yeah, obviously I think... When I when I work with businesses, flexible working is obviously really important to people. It's so common now, and people want it in terms of people in their market, right? If that's the construction market, if that's the HR market, whatever. Recruiters are on the phone and going, "What's your challenge?" And I go, oh, "I want flexible working." And like, I don't have it. So, and I think a common challenge I always here is one: does that can that actually have a positive impact on efficiency and people actually doing their job better? And two: does that actually make people more happy? don't know <laughs> i think you know I, mean? um, Which is why I was interested to see how you personally found it and yeah with your business I, th- I think if you you know if you enjoy recruitment and you 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 are motivated to to achieve and push on then flexible working is great the opposite is also true if you don't enjoy recruitment and really you've only been successful in recruitment because you've been kpi to death and yeah. that's led to success but you haven't been happy and haven't enjoyed it then Maybe there's other reasons as to why flexible working isn't <laughs> going to work for you. Um, so before we finish, a couple yeah. of things. So I have an event coming up soon um, in March and so it's to do with the podcast. And the theme is, is cultivating resilience and going the distance in recruitment. Yeah. I think fair to say you've probably had to have quite a bit of resilience last year, it sounds yeah, like, with all, all the shit going on in yeah, your yeah. life. So I guess what, what does 
what does resilience mean to you and and how have you how have you yeah how have you had to how have you cultivated resilience in in your time yeah um again i'm trying to there's a, there's a great mike tyson quote and i just can't quite remember how it flows this would be the impressive moment where i rattle it out but it's something <laughs> like it doesn't yeah you know, if you get punched in the face it's the most important thing is you get up off the canvas yeah uh, and um look life happens there's some really shitty stuff that happens some really challenging stuff that happens and uh i think what i've learned over the last 18 months two years is it's, it's okay not to be okay mm. as long as you have some strategies to kind of get past that mm. and so for me there's certain things i know that i do in my life that equal resilience so if i you know do fitness and exercise i eat well i um you know have some time for me there's various things i know that i do um yoga is, is, is something I, I do occasionally and that helps and um you know i don't think it's about being um you know airy fairy with what you do but resilience is such an important uh, point especially for for men you know i think mm. um mental well-being is is a huge topic for for our clients and i've hosted events on on mental well-being and uh, i don't think it's any different for, for for the world of recruitment in fact i think it's much much more important um recruitment is such a challenging job you are dealing with such variables you know a candidate changes their mind client changes their mind and so resilience is something that you experience every single day uh and um you know i i i think it's so important and well done for running an event in march on yeah that so so you so you have just again had to work out sort of what to do what things best equip you the the best chance of being resilient and yeah. giving you in the right sort of mindset or yeah and I yeah. think, um, again, talking about issues, challenges, seeking advice and help from from someone else. You know, I've worked with a coach um, on and off for the last sort of four or five years. So it was, you know, business challenges and then it was personal challenges. Mm. But ultimately, there's there's no shame in asking for help. In fact, I think the greatest strength is to is to ask for help. Yeah, I, I should post about it today because, again, a lot of I because I'm in this position now where I sit down with people like you. Next week, I'll sit down with people like you who run a different type of recruitment business, but you will have the same challenges. Mm. But obviously, in your world, you can you can very easily feel like the challenges that you have are unique to you. Yeah. But someone down the road, particularly in this recruitment world, there's likely going to be someone down the road. Yes. Um, who will be having the same challenges, right? So I think don't don't feel like you can't reach out to people and, and ask for help. No, and I think actually I mentioned earlier on that you know I think tank strapline was networking, debate, and therapy. Well, there's something very beautiful about having joint therapy. You know, <laughs> yeah. running an event where you know or, or going out for lunch or coffee with a client and just talking about life. Like, mm. do you know what I mean? That recruitment is is recruitment. You know, people yeah. will leave jobs, you'll place people in other jobs, but there's stories behind every one of those, and that's what. Um, I think gets me out of bed in the morning. You know, I want to. I'm curious to understand what's happening in people's worlds and how can I, how can I help that? You know, so I, so I suppose I'll probably do a, a sort of unofficial version of some exec coaching with some of the people that I, um, that are my clients and my candidates because I'm just intrigued and interested yeah. in how they develop resilience. How, how do you think recruiters in today's market have had to? So I think what what's definitely changed is I think uh, like as the industry's evolved like the need or different types of resilience needed is, is different. Do you know what I mean? Would you, any thoughts on that? What, how do you mean? Because <laughs> <laughs> obviously the, 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 the is, like, you, like you said, like being hit with a KPI stick and all these things, like a lot has changed. So like in today's market now, you run a business in 2020, I feel like resilience is, like what resilience is or what resilient, what the type of resilience required is, has changed or it's become a bit different. I think it's okay to talk about resilience. I think it's probably, you know, I mean, if I reflect on, you know, dare I say 20 years in recruitment, when I first got into recruitment, you know, 
it was <clears throat> it was unmacho not to, you know to talk about yeah I'm, that's I'm, a really interesting point I, I'm, you know I'm, I'm struggling here I don't really know what I'm doing and you know I'm getting told to bugger off every day I try yeah. and on these these people they, they tell me to clear off and that, that doesn't make me feel good mm. um, I, I think you know there's just a, a, a much broader culture um, you know from a societal perspective where it's okay to talk about these things and there's mm. lots of um, you know great um, work that's been done by all sorts of different people um, you know uh, was it uh, Prince William did this thing about football and uh, mental well-being and wellness uh, did, did a, a really nice sort of minute video so I think you know it's not just recruitment it's every every walk of life point, every yeah. industry every age you know I've got an 11 year old son he's having some challenges at school you know what's the most important thing for me to try and teach him it's resilience and mm. actually like embrace the crappiness in a, in a weird mm. way like you know crappiness is going to happen yeah it, i know it, it, that's the only guaranteed right it's yeah. going to happen so but how you deal with it is 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 another thing so you can be a victim you know these things happen to me and i can't do yeah, anything yeah, about yeah. it or you can actually think do you know what yeah, pff, yeah i don't feel great about that but there are mm. some things i can do uh and even if there isn't a thing i can do about that particular situation there's something i can do about how how i can make myself feel better yeah, yeah. um how you can react to it absolutely how you choose to react to not it. Or, or respond not react respond yeah you're right yeah i think i think that's i think that's you hit the nail on the head there it's like it's become more and more normal to talk about it whereas typically maybe in in the recruitment world it's yeah if, if you went in in the s3 days or whatever company and gone yeah i'm, I'm suffering a bit of depression yeah, on uh, it yeah, exactly. yeah Mark, fuck off mate get back on the yeah, phone yeah. son this <laughs> hiring manager told me to get lost i don't feel good about that you, you know <laughs> do you know what i mean so yeah. I think, no i think that's quite right it's like yeah, for you to have the best possible chance of cultivating resilience and, as you said, not being a victim and learning how to um, choose to deal with certain setbacks and stuff is, is talking about it and, and that's okay. Yeah. And then, yeah, I think that's really interesting. Definitely. How, how do you see... Um, what are you thinking about recruitment-wise? Like, what, how do you see the next... De 2020, right? New decade. You've been in the game for a while. What, what are you keeping your eye on in terms of how, how is recruitment evolving for you? Um, and what, what are you paying close attention to? I mean, we, we, we get uh, asked by our network to facilitate events on AI and technology uh, regularly. In fact, I think it was the second most um, talked about, demanded topic. And, um, you know, I, I think that's going to be uh, a real key uh, focus for the, for the next decade is how can technology... Uh, help augment support what uh, what we do in this instance in the world of recruitment. You know, we've mm. seen lots of advances in terms of ATS technology and chatbots and all sorts of different stuff. Um, but I think the key for me is that uh, relationships will never change. Uh, yeah. You can't replace, um, you know, meeting face to face and having a good chat with a with a piece of AR technology. Um, so I think you know if you are a agency that is multidisciplined high volume, um, low on relationships, I would be worried mm. if I'm perfectly honest. I think if, and that's just my view, um, but I think if you are a business where you deliver great, you, you add great value to your, to your clients, you, you strive to build great relationships, you're building a business that can't be replaced by AI. Mm. Uh, you, you know, you can embrace AI and technology yourself to improve your processes, like we use something basic you know now to talk about linkedin recruiter mm. um but um i think uh you know we've seen firsthand we're at the coal have been at the coal face of placing internal recruiters for over a decade um and um you know we've we've seen we've seen many organizations try and um you know get rid of agencies totally and the reality is they can never get rid of agencies totally because they just don't have the uh, bandwidth the scale to be subject matter experts in every single vertical market you know mm. 
you're hiring in HR, yes, you can probably put an advert out on Total Jobs yourself, but will you actually know what good looks like? And will you yeah. find the one that you really want? Maybe, maybe not. Mm. Um, so, you know, for our perspective, it's got probably that the assignments were given are harder to fill, but that means we've got to be better at what we do. Mm. So again, I think it's victim or victor, you know, take control of what you can, which is how do we have the best possible team? How do we have the best possible tools? How do we build the best possible relationships? And how do we give the best possible service? If you look at those four things, then I think you're in with a good shout. What are you excited about? 2020? What are you, what are you excited about? What am I excited about? Mm, what's going on in the business? I think I'm excited about um, continuing to, to, to build out the team and build out the message, really. I think, um, you know, we, we, we've we probably learned a lot by mistakes. And um, I think, um, was it Malcolm Gladwell in his book Blinks, that it takes 10 years to get really good at something? Think, you know, <laughs> yeah. This is the 11th year running the think tank. I think there's lots of great stuff that we're doing there that's mm. really exciting. Um, you know, this is uh, not quite 10 years of being in London, but I think we've learned a lot about, you know, hiring in the London market for us. Mm. I think we've got a great proposition. I think we're really mindful of what it feels like to work here. But equally, we're, we're pretty um, uncomprehending or, or we're, we're, we don't sort of, we're not shy of coming forward and telling people what we expect of them. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we, we've got high expectations. We, we want people to be billing, you know, 200K plus a year. We don't, we, and and, and we, we want people to be successful and, and earn well as well. So, um, I, I'm excited to see see what happens. I think on a personal level, I, I'm I'm excited. I'm, I'm doing, as I say, more exec search assignments myself, um, which is great. Um, I'm doing some exec coaching stuff myself, awesome. um, and I'd like to try and feed that into some of the work I do. Um, so yeah, amazing, mate. Last question. Yeah. Um, ask everyone. So you can answer this question with a. Uh, one word phrase wh whatever comes to mind basically question is if, if Mark could communicate to every single recruiter out there recruitment business owner they'd take on your advice they'd implement it tomorrow what are we saying to these people if they're listening what, what comes to mind empower your employees empower your employees I think, you've, I think it's fair to say you're definitely doing that and are going to continue to do that? Yeah, trying to I think um, you know asking the question listening to the responses um don't just dictate. Um, I think you get uh, much more value and buy-in and, and, and value back. So mm. empower well, employees. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I really want to ensure this podcast remains valuable and relevant for all of you. If you have topics or questions you would love me to cover with future guests, then please get in touch with me best place to get me is on LinkedIn. Just search Hishimazuz and drop me a message. I would love to hear from you. Finally, if you have two minutes, it would be greatly appreciated if you could leave an honest review for the podcast. It will simply mean that I can reach more people with this podcast. You can easily leave a review for the podcast by clicking the link in the episode notes or by going to ratethispodcast.com forward slash rollercoaster. Thank you again for listening. <laughs>